The following program is sponsored by Salt and Pepper Conversations. Welcome to Salt and Pepper Conversations with author and speaker David Savage and Pastor Aaron Thomas. Salt, because as Christians, we're called on to be salt and light in a world of darkness. Pepper, because as men, we struggle with things like hot tempers and dark thoughts. Let's join David and Aaron for today's topic. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. My name is David Savage. I'm a product of the West Texas desert and retired energy executive. Now, people use the word retired, and I've decided to reclassify it because I think I received the biggest promotion of my life. I can only work for God now. How about you, Aaron? Why don't you introduce yourself? Absolutely, buddy. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. As you said, my name is Aaron David Thomas. I'm a pastor evangelist, um, new to the Texas area. Well, not actually new. been here about four years now as God called me out here for his purpose and his work. I'm originally from D.C. I was brought up into, uh, in Philly until, or outside of Philly until I was a teenager, and then I moved to New Mexico. But uh, here today to get into these salt and pepper conversations to kind of light a fire up under some men, maybe. That's right. So Aaron and I decided to create this show out of our shared passion for Jesus Christ and to help men of all ages and stages to become better men. In fact, I'm even wearing my Better Man shirt, which is a class that we're teaching that is a ministry created by Robert Lewis. And a shout out to Robert if you happen to ever hear this. (laughs) The purpose of every show is to examine life as a man in today's culture through the lens of the Bible. All right. God's truth and infallible word. Thorny and divisive issues abound. So we have no shortage of topics, but we decided to just dive right in on one of the toughest and trendy ones that we've got going on. So the show is salt and pepper conversations, but we're going to talk about black and white conversations. Uh The black and white issue. Yep. His race relations just seem to be front and center and extremely controversial in in many ways. So let's just begin with the dictionary and define the word racism according to Webster's. It says, A belief or doctrine that inherent differences among the various human racial groups determine cultural or individual achievement, usually involving the idea that one's own race is superior and has the right to dominate others or that a particular racial group is inferior to the others. So, Pastor Aaron, why don't you kick us off with some biblical perspectives on this topic of racism? Racism, wow. You know, uh, the funny thing about that, you know, before I go, I want to define that in my own words, you know. It comes in many uh, different forms, and it's limited not to one ethnic group. You know, it's funny when we think of racism, especially here in America, it becomes a black and white issue, and that's just not the case. I personally define racism as feelings, attitudes, and beliefs, extreme dislike or hatred towards a particular group of people based on skin color, right? And um, I think most people, when they hear the uh, the term racism or racist, it's hostile, you know, and uh, it's just funny that people label anyone who doesn't agree with them a racist today. Anyone of a different ethnic background, and, and, and it's funny, I know that racism is universal, but it's, it's more than that. Racism is biblical. It's been around since Genesis chapter 3. Racism entered the world when death entered the world. Uh, it's a sin issue. 
You know, it, it, it deals with the heart of a man. And, and the Bible tells us that uh, the heart of a man is deceitful, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who could know it? You know, we, we take that concept out of it when we try to uh, apply it based off of skin and economic status and who has and who has not. But the short of it all is like God says that there's none righteous, no, not one, that none understand and all fall short of the glory of God. And when you put that in perspective, dealing with this racism issue, you you understand, you'll be able to see that it, it, it's our heart. It's, it's how we look at things, how we uh, look at people through the lens of the Bible, not the lens. You can't legislate a man's heart. I don't care what you put down on a piece of paper. I don't care what a man says outwardly uh, to appease a crowd or an audience or uh, whatever. His heart hasn't changed. Apart from Jesus, he's evil. If if what I'm saying is wrong, then why are we sitting here having these discussions on racism? Why is our country overturned uh, uh, upside down? Because didn't we do the same thing in the 90s? Didn't we do the same thing in the 60s? Didn't we do something in 1861 through 65, have Reconstruction, Reformation, and all these things? And we're repeating ourselves. Wait a minute. Like I was talking to you earlier, Dave. Go back to Abraham. All right? He had two sons, right, who both had 12 sons and 12 tribes. Separation, racism. The enemy has always used it against us. Well, so, you know, I'm glad that you brought up the Bible because that's what we're here to talk about. That's where all wisdom comes from. True wisdom. And Aaron and I have this passion for young men. And so if you're out there listening as young men, we're here for you. And we're trying to pass along some of the wisdom that we've been able to glean from the Bible, but also from our life experiences kind of getting nicked up a little bit. But let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Paul writes... In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing to his kingdom, I give you this charge. This is our charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. And that's where we are today. Instead, To suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from truth and turn aside to myths. So the organization M4BL calls for a progressive restructuring of tax codes at the local, state, and federal levels to ensure a radical and sustainable redistribution of wealth. Aaron, you know, this isn't a racist issue. This is, they're, they're Chinese immigrants. There's Indian immigrants. You know, I live in Fort Bend County, the most diverse county in the United States. And I think any person of any race would have a hard time. You know, they've worked hard to come here, to immigrate here, to right. build their families, their businesses. And, you know, they might be concerned about this kind of talk about redistribution of wealth on a racial basis. Are people using racism and inequality or equity as myths to say what their itching ears want to hear and how should we as Christians, as Christian men especially, respond with great patience and careful instruction? Wow. You know, that that's funny. And, and, and let's just get it. You know, you're naming uh, different groups, different organizations. M4BL, there's Colors for uh, Change, which is multi 
ethnic group. There's um, Baji, Black Alliance. Uh, there's all these uh, groups looking to reform what is what they consider social injustice. And uh, here's the thing. You have all these groups being used. The Bible tells us like this. There's two powers. And the king of the airways, him that operates, Satan, the devil, was moving throughout this world. And God says, you're either for me or you're against me. And all these issues that we're, we're dealing with, like you said, that these movements, these groups, if you look into them, there's no biblical foundation to them. Uh, they're, they're dealing with, uh, like you said, economics. They're dealing with, uh, they're, they're trying to end the patriarchal system that God established. They are anti-Bible. They're, they're dealing with... Uh, Issues that I, I call surface issues. They're not getting to the heart of the matter, the heart of the situation. And it's funny because we were just talking about this. You think about people of all faiths. You hear we're, we're purporting Christian men. And the problem is Christian men need to stand up and take their place in society and educate uh, other men about who they are in the image of God. So that they don't get caught up in these rabbit trails, these these side trips, in, in, in what all these other organizations are, are perpetuating and pushing. They're pushing another agenda that they can't even see. There's a spiritual uh, agenda behind all of this. And there's an enemy that is against God, against the word of God, against Christianity as a whole. Amen. Pushing us uh, 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 into these battles, into these wars. And as men of God... We're sitting around being passive, not doing what God's calling us. And I know we're going to talk about that, too. It's like it doesn't matter. These organizations are looking. I want you to listen to how I hear this, right? As as a Christian black man in America, I, I hear that these organizations want to hold people responsible today for what was done yesterday because of people who are no longer around and they want to blame the people that are here. That to me doesn't make any sense. It's like, Dave, I want to blame you for what somebody else who was related to you may or may not have done and that you may or may not have been a part of um, because of your skin, because of your race, because of your ethnic group. As a matter of fact, I want to become what I hate and then make you respect and understand it. That's exactly what these groups perpetuate. They're asking for something that they want, that they hated, that was done to them. I don't understand. That's not going to balance scales. If it didn't balance scales on that side, what makes you think it's going to balance scales on this side? No, all it's going to do is continue the enemy's agenda of turning the scales upside down, keeping us fighting. Because when we identify with our true father, who art in heaven. We identify every man, woman, and child made in the image of God. That's right. Right? It will change the way we treat each other. But if we as men, right? God created a man, uh, male and female. He created Adam first. Then he created Eve. He created them equal in station. I mean, equal in creation, but different in station. And there was a reason. He put a man on this earth first, gave him a job, gave him a place to live, uh, told him what to do, then gave him a wife and said, now multiply and be fruitful. Right? But we don't teach that to men anymore. Right? We, we listen to what's going on and we, we disguise it in these issues of racism. We disguise it in, 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 in in so many other different ways that we're not focused on what the real issue is. Knowing who you are in God as a man, 
and leading your family, your society, your culture, according to the word of God, not according to man. So, Aaron, I know a little bit about your story, and I'd, I'd like for you to share a little bit maybe with our audience because you and I have talked about poverty and how poverty manifests itself in different ways. Why don't, just so that people feel relatable to one of us, because I think we cover the whole spectrum. Absolutely, we do. Why don't you talk do. about uh, those different aspects of poverty? Well, you know, it's funny. Like I said, you know, I, Dave, you might not believe this, buddy, but I've been black since birth. <laughs> right. And, and, and I've I've suffered all the things uh, that you hear on the news and report all the what they consider hardships and heartaches. And I, I can tell you, you know, I, I was born poor. Um, uh, you know, I, I remember times when we we're hungry, times when my family, you know, we slept in our car when we slept at the Salvation Army. I, I mean, I've been through all that. Right. I remember when I used to think that. Uh, Man, I'd never own a home, but it wasn't in my heart or mind. But if I could, you know, rent a nice apartment, make a decent amount of money. And then I met Jesus. I met God and he told me who I was and what he created for me and that he had a plan for me, a plan of a future and a hope. He, he, he told me, but the plan is his plan. And that if I wanted a future, the hope and uh, the promise success, um, that I'd have to work his plan, not mine. I have to see myself. Through his eyes, not through the eyes of man. I, I don't identify as, as black first. I don't identify as a husband first. I'm a Christian made in the image of the only living God, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Stop there. That's enough for me. All the other stuff, that, that, all that other stuff is irrelevant. And it changed my life, right? I, I have gone through every hardship that every other African-American black man in this country has gone through uh, from drugs, uh, incarceration, poverty, uh, um, children out of wedlock, the whole nine. But when I met Jesus and a man of God came and told me who I was according to God and stood uh, uh, by me and continued to hold me to a, a, a godly standard, not an earthly standard, my life changed. My world changed. And, and and things got better. I mean, they're tough. So you were in spiritual poverty as well as economic poverty. Come on, preach. I thought I was the preacher. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's also emotional poverty. There's all kinds of poverty. And unfortunately, it's just uh, rampant these days. And it's the spiritual poverty that we're really trying to address here, you know, with our program. And, and just, again, to reference the Bible, Ecclesiastes, Solomon, you know, he said, there's nothing new under the sun. And so I was doing a little bit of research Socrates, born 500 years before Christ. And, you know, he's talking about the inevitable cycle of decay and collapse 2,500 years ago. And it, it begins with the one. And, and in fact, in kings, you, the Jewish people wanted a king. Everyone else had a king. God did not want for them to have a king, but they wanted a king, so he gave them a king. Well, once the wolf has tasted blood, you know, then he can no longer rule because he becomes selfish and he wants power. And there's many examples in the Old Testament of bad kings. And so they are, they're overthrown, right? By, you know, and, and then you become the few. And that's usually the aristocracy, you know, who want to, to take over, you know, from the oppression of, of the king and the tyrant. And then they're greedy and it's just naked, selfish rule. And then it's a class struggle between the poor and the rich. And then the poor obviously have the numbers, and they, they become the many, and they become the mob. 
And this is what I see in our society today. This has been going on for 2,500 years in every culture, in every civilization, and there's nothing new about it at all. In fact, the new element is called critical race theory. <laughs> is it, I love how they come up with these words, you know, and the way these, these bills that are named, you know, they say uh, this is the For the People Act. You know, you know, the way they use words, and that's Satan, right? He's mm-hmm. the great deceiver. He uses these other words that sound good and virtuous, but in the end, you know, we were talking uh, before we came in about the difference between equality, which is what is talked about in the Declaration of Independence, defined in the Civil Rights Code Act of 1964, the Voting Rights Act, is explicitly rejected by critical race theorists. To them, equality represents mere non-discrimination and provides camouflage for white supremacy Patriarchy and oppression. Wow. In contrast to equality, they use the word equity. Equity, equity mm-hmm. <laughs> defined and promoted by critical race theorists, is a little more than a reformulated Marxism. An equity based form of government would mean the end of not only private property, but also of individual rights, equality under the law, federalism, and freedom of speech, and most importantly, freedom of religion, because Marxism, everywhere it was implemented, in the last century, which was the bloodiest one of humanity, in right. Cuba, Cambodia, China, Russia, millions and millions of people died at the hands of the state. And they go after the Christians first because those are the ones that believe in something higher than the state. You mean they discriminate? <laughs> oh, my word. It could, oh, we don't call that racism. So, when, so this, this critical race theory, you know, how can we, how can I, as a white guy, say, I don't like critical race theory, but then I'm turned around and called a, a, a bigot. You know, what I am is an anti-Marxist, but Amen. help me, help me uh, relate to Well, Well, let's just go friends. back to how you started, You, 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 you and thanks for sharing that with us, because I, I was definitely intrigued, and that was written about 2,500 years ago. And, and the funny thing about that is, if, if you think about it, 2,500 years ago is right before Jesus came on the scene. So, you know, 21, 2200 years ago, Jesus was on the scene. And here's the thing. So racism was rampant then when Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world came on the scene. And do you know what he did about it? Nothing. He didn't address it. He didn't look at it because he knew it was just another issue, another way that the enemy was uh, separating man pulling man's focus off of God, allowing man to think that he is able to govern himself, uh, able to uh, right his own wrongs. And, and, and apart from God, man is evil. Man is wicked and selfish. It's, it, it's funny. Jesus didn't address that. He didn't address racism. He didn't ra- address separatism. And it was rampant then. Like you said, you quoted Ecclesiastes, nothing new under the sun. We're not fighting a battle today that wasn't even fought. And I'm not saying the battle uh, doesn't need to be fought. I'm not saying that the issues aren't real, but the way they're being presented, the way they're being purported, and the, what's being asked for is obscene. It, 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 the people that are asking don't hear what they're asking, and the masses are just falling in line, not researching, railing against, 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 with no plan in sight. You know, uh, and, and you get it in, and as a... White American, you definitely have a target on your back. And I'm sorry, it, it really cracks me up how I, I, I can say that I'm against discrimi- discrimination, separatism, inequality, but I want to be identified as a black man. 
right? I don't, I don't want you to identify me as the black man that you think I am. I want you to identify me according to all this stuff that I want to say about myself, forgetting any statistic, any uh, actual fact that has been um, accumulated and calculated about my existence. No, no, no. You only get to say what I tell you. I want to seat at your table, too. Not because I earned it, not because I deserve it, but because I'm black and I should be given an opportunity to prove that I belong here rather than work to get there, right? Because there are many, many black Americans today that don't buy in the narrative. There are many black Americans that have suffered at the hands of uh, uh, racists and inequality and all that and have persevered over it. Right. But it's these that are loud and and, and don't want to work, want it to be given to don't want to persevere. I'm I'm not saying everybody. I'm not saying that uh, uh, the result of somebody dying because of an act uh, uh, um, that shouldn't have happened uh, is wrong. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying what got us to the act. Right. A disrespect for authority. Right. And, And I'm not talking about the police officer, ladies and gentlemen. I'm talking about God. The ultimate authority and the word of God, because when you go, when you put God's word in to action, God tells you to love those who hate you, to pray for those who persecute you, to submit and subject yourself to all those in authority, right or wrong. And when you want to complain and murmur about that, but that's not fair. If you're a Christian, think about the cross. Was it fair? But he got up on it anywhere, and it said like a a lamb led to the slaughter. He didn't cry out. He wasn't protesting. Jesus didn't to get his disciples together go, we need to hold a rally. He said, accept who you are in Christ, who's in creation. Anyway, it's crazy, Amen. man. So how, how do we use our faith to combat the divisive forces of racism? Um, if, we're talking to, if you're talking to young men... Right here in our radio audience today. You use your faith. It's not how you use it. You put it to work. You share it. You express it. More importantly, you live it out. So I like what you were talking about earlier. You know, there's some of these sayings, you know, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And I think the problem really is that people don't know what they stand for. They have been so confused by the media, by, you know, you know, everything under the sun, let's just call it that. But, I, you know, as Christians, the symbol of Christianity is the fish. And all dead fish swim with the current. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, we just have, you're right, it's, it's a matter of courage. It's a matter of us standing up for what we believe in. So how can men lead in the home or in the community as Christ calls us? Well, that's where it starts. You know, uh, the Great Commission uh, by Jesus is to go out and make disciples, uh, teach them everything uh, that he's taught and to observe all that he's commanded. And the thing about that is first showing people that God is sovereign in control, that they were made in the image of God, uh, teaching them that they're sinners that need to be saved by grace, uh, teaching them the love of God and living that out, right? Allowing them to see it um, as, as they walk through life and, 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 and then sharing that every chance you get and continuing to teach that, um, Continue over and over and over again until you get it. Like for me, once I got who I was to God, it changed everything. All right. Well, this has been a fantastic discussion, and I'm sure we could go on, but that's all we have time for today, family. But what we want to leave you with is something concrete. And here at Salt and Pepper Conversations, we define 
a Come real on. man. A real man. As one who does the following four things. Come on. He courageously follows God's word. Uh-oh. He loves and protects God's woman. He excels at God's work and betters God's world with his children. Raising up and sending out healthy, well-grounded children is how we, as men, best contribute to bettering society and ensuring its future stability. Amen, brother. So tune in next time, and we'll tackle more tough topics like passivity and other things to train up a generation of better men. It's Any gonna, closing words? I just want to say uh, keep coming back because as we get more and more into it, it's going to get better. I'm just thankful, Dave. Thank you that you're willing to uh, attack uh, these very controversial subjects. It's going to be a good time. To God be the glory. Always. See you later. Thanks for listening to Salt and Pepper Conversations with David Savage and Pastor Aaron Thomas. Tune in next time as we tackle more tough topics to train a generation of better men. You can contact David and Aaron through Salt and Pepper Conversations at gmail.com. That's Salt and Pepper Conversations at gmail.com. 